The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Homance Chronicles, and I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. Every day is a new cadence. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I feel like I'm coming down from a mild panic attack, so. <laughs> yeah, just a full day of tents. Yep. You're going to sleep <laughs> like a champ tonight. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, I would say so hopefully, um. I will be able to get with it, participate in this story. Oh, it's it's actually, <laughs> I think you will be able to, because it's actually a pretty good one. Well, maybe. <laughs> uh, I, it's, a, it's a good distraction to shift my mind off of feeling like I'm, I was going to be stuck without a car for weeks. <laughs> and Okay, so just to clarify, they're doing road work at the end of her road, and her animal brain was panicking the whole day, because nobody yeah. really fully transparently communicated what was happening and the end of her driveway was all tore up and she wouldn't be able to get out so she went down a couple different paths panicking was one second (laughs) was figuring out if maybe she could just you know because she's got a jeep maybe she could jeep over it no third she was going (laughs) to drive through her neighbor's neighbor's yard and uh do it under the cover of night you know (laughs) because you can't let anybody (laughs) see you doing shit like that yeah Uh, we went from panicking to problem solving back back to panicking panicking. (laughs) all for everything to be resolved as of 10 15 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) truly was still still no actual communication from any source so here you are no no the system of warning me that my driveway would not be accessible for weeks two to three weeks was a door hanger left on a Sunday, the day before the work started, that blew off of my door (laughs) (laughs) that I did not find until this became a full-on investigation. (laughs) Panic! Oh, well, I'm glad uh, the universe righted that ship for you, and all you did was just spend a bunch of energy thinking about things instead of actually being stuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. well and i tried to use my spiraling energy for good How? so i i rolled up a hose that i had out that was really long that's oh. kind of been in the way nice. i took a walk with a a protein shake i <laughs> um exercised <laughs> anything you can do just anything you can do <laughs> I had, I thought that if I kept my hands busy, that it would distract my brain. Did that work? Partially. 100% no, dog. That's no for me. 
I can never distract myself good enough. Uh, but no worries. Funny. Vehicle yeah. is out of the driveway after just a quick couple of bulldozer fills of <laughs> dirt into the hole. And several <laughs> hours of full panic. So good. <laughs> So speaking of poor communication, yes, my attagirl, or not my girl, but my hoe of history today had to communicate via notes passing. So similar, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. similar, effective. Yes. Still effective back then. <sighs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're going to Colombia today. South America. What's up? We're going to be talking about Polycarpa salaverita, which I'm sure I'm fucking this name up royally, but we're talking about her all the same. So she was born January 26, 1795. She only lived to 22 years old. Man. Yeah. So a quote, maybe not an accurate quote. It was translated from Spanish, but a quote. Indolent people. How diverse your luck would be today if you knew the price of freedom. So, Polycarpa, better known as, oh God, I lost it. (laughs) I wrote this so many times. I wrote it so many times. Lapona? Yeah, I think it's, yep, Lapola again i'm fucking it up so lapola was her nickname um she was to put it in a nutshell a seamstress who spied for the revolutionary forces during the spanish reconquista of the vice royalty of new granada colombia so we know that the white people were trying to colonize everything from europe french and all those Spain was also trying to colonize everything. And so if you don't know your history, which I wasn't very familiar with this part, even though I should have been, um, the Spanish were trying to take over South America and colonize them. So this is the era of the, like the um, same concept of colonizers running the government and the locals are like, we've had enough. We're going to start to revolutionize. We're going to start to organize and fight back. So this is the same era, same concept, um, but totally different, you know, country. So she was a seamstress and her parents had eight kids, like eight children back then. And they weren't being bred for work. Like these, this family was educated. And so um it's odd though because although she had eight brothers and sisters all of her historical records are not around so like we don't know what year exactly she was born we don't know where exactly she was born but we have a good idea it was between where all of her siblings were born or bogota between the two places um where, her, do you know where she fell in the like rank of the siblings is she in she the was a fifth yeah oh, so okay. like they moved either before or after her being born it's you know so i people are pretty sure she was born in her um where was it what's the state of it guadas 
Guadas. I'm not, I'm going to fuck up all these names and I apologize in advance. So make fun of me, if you will, correct me wherever you want. But so she was, so all of her siblings up to her were born in Guadas and they never found her birth certificate. They don't know her government name, but in his will, her father referred to her as Apolina. So we assume that is her first formal first name. Um, then later on, when she was forging passports, she knew used the name Georgia Apollinara, which I fucked that up too. But um, so she had a couple of different names throughout. But La Pola is how she's known and accredited for, and everything else fun like that. So, um, so she had eight siblings, and they were all born or i'm sorry not all of them all of them up to her were born in guadas they say she was born between 1790 and 1796 however one guy called rafael pombo affirmed she was born in margarita or maraquita which is a different place than bogota and guadas so it's all over the map um but everybody has decided that she was born in 96 and she was born in Guadas. So whatever. Um, her parents. So everybody, her- as in the three historians who yes, on this. <laughs> the guy named <laughs> some guy named Pobo. No. <laughs> so like her parents didn't have the title of Hidalgo class, which I didn't realize that was like a um a class, if you will. Like uh like middle class mm. but like so it showed that they had some sort of education and order notoriety or something like that um although they didn't have the title they were still fairly well off judging by their home which is now a museum um they the children were all educated in some way and they were all literate so it's not very common for that to be a thing but it's very important in this instance because as a spy she was able to pass notes so she was able to read them. Mm-hmm. Read um, write, yeah. Yep. So she was actually able to infiltrate. So she became um, very important. Um, so they were, she was even supposedly allowed to teach in public schools at that point. Don't know exactly when, I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know how old she was, but um, in that time frame, when it was kind of frowned upon for women to do anything in the public's eye she was allowed to teach in school. So that means she had a lot of education under her belt. Um, they moved to Bogota between 96 and 98. They lived in a small house that the dad actually like acquired. I don't know how, <laughs> but he ended up getting it. <laughs> um, and then unfortunately, in 1802, the smallpox epidemic broke out, killed thousands of people, including her mom, dad, brother, and sister. So Dang. like, yeah, immediately after that, Wikipedia is like, shit fell apart real fast. <laughs> like everything fell apart after that. She was closest to her brother, Bibiano, and became his guardian when his parents, her parents died. Um, at first, I guess they were taken in by a family where she worked as a maid for a while. But then, uh, okay. So then also two of her siblings went to the uh, 
Augustinian order, which was like a Christian order that followed the rule of St. Augustine. Two others went to a farm in Tina. I don't know where that is in Colombia or if it's in Colombia, but it's in South America. Then the eldest sister decided she wanted to move back to Guadas around 1804 and actually ended up taking her sister and little brother with them. So La Pola and Bibi go back with the oldest sister to their hometown where they live with their aunt and godmother um, until the eldest sister got married and then the eldest sister took them in. So they they were like living with family, kind of shuffling around um, at this point. She was like maybe late, well, late, early teens, like maybe mid teens, because she was born in, yeah, so she was 12. Um, <laughs> so not even a teen. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. Preteen. Preteen, you know, the most crucial po- moments in your life. Um, so, it turns out her family, though, was all educated and they were all part of the revolution. They were all not okay with what was happening. They were watching all of the strife, the trauma, the drama happen, unfold. They didn't love the government. They didn't love the the royalty at the time having the stronghold as they did over the country. And they didn't really honestly care for the fact that their people were being divided um, and like labeled. So like Guadas was a really important stop because it was on the road through New Granada. So like it connected the Caribbeans to Bogota. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, look on a map and you'll see it. So that road brought a lot of an intellect, but diversity as well. So you had black people, you had white people, you had indigenous people, you had um, a third, like a fourth group that was like, essentially anybody you couldn't identify would be there. You know, when I went to Aruba, we went on a catamaran and part of the safety talk was don't swim out too far. Or when we get to a certain point, uh, don't swim at all, et cetera, because basically you could get taken to Colombia. Like if you're in Colombian waters, like they will kidnap you. Yeah. Scary. But yeah, Yeah. so. (laughs) So it's, you would have likely gone through that, that town then, uh, if you were taken. (laughs) If I was taken. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because Colombia now it seems very very much ruled. Yeah. Very much ruled by drugs and corruption and yeah, basically uh, it sounds very, very scary, especially for a little blonde white girl who's just trying to enjoy her (laughs) catamaran well yeah you would have been a sight a sight to behold over there in the columbia (laughs) oh my gosh it's so funny so the town was always like a center point of commerce and news information as well so like it was a rest stop it was it was a lively town it had a lot going on and it was one of the bigger towns obviously um and so her farm, her family, her family became revolutionaries as well. So her brother-in-law, who they she was living with, ended up uh, dying while he was fighting in the Southern Campaign. Her brother also fought and was captured, but he ended up escaping, and I don't know, I do not know how. <laughs> so like, 
she wasn't originally one of those people who was into politics and into like you know freedom and being this way but it she kind of fell into it because it was she was just surrounded with it she really wanted to be educated like she just wanted to get, work on her education and do that kind of thing you know be successful educated blah 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 mm-hmm. but after it started really impacting her family she absolutely joined in so um there it she in like like 1817 she was back in bogota actively participating in political issues oh yeah there's also like once the revolution broke out a military and colonial officer and his wife were smuggled out by the mayor and supposedly they stopped at her house in new granada on their way out and they like basically told her like hey this is happening so be prepared they fled left like fucking scaredy pants um so she was actively participating in the political issues but she was really well known in her little hometown so when she went back to bogota and like basically that's where the royalists landed they made it very difficult to get in and out of the city so it wasn't originally it wasn't always bogota but it's what we know today so the city limits are a little bit different but royalists came took over and basically stopped people from being able to go in and out of the city uh, and this is when her forged passport comes in so she and her brother ended up having documents and safeguards in place for them to get into the city they had a letter of introduction from two revolutionary leaders so i don't really know how this like played out but basically what happened was she went into the city as a nobody playing as she was a royalist but then once she was in the city she had like the revolutionary leadership under her supporting her looking for her getting ready to take her in so um she ended up at a house by a lady that was owned by a lady called andrea and this home was essentially where all of the revolutionary work took place and she was undercover as like a servant for the house for the leadership so like i don't know if it's if it was the house that they were in who was owned by the lady called Andrea, if it was set up to be like just another everyday place where people did their thing, or if it was like a royalist home that was really undercover revolutionary home. But she was there and she was able to basically infiltrate other homes of the like royalists by being a servant or being a seamstress. So she would go into these homes and do her little thing and hang out, offering her and services. She's, she's doing this on her own. Her siblings are not joining correct. her. Yeah, okay. correct. It's just her her little brother, BB, now at this point with her. And he's 12. So she's like 16. So um, uh, another reason they went to Bogota was because she wasn't really well known in that city. I Like I said before, so she could like, move around freely, meet anybody and everybody, talk to them. So she was really able to do a lot of like undercover work while she was there. She would collect maps, intelligence on upcoming events and activities. 
she would identify who the key key players were and even um uh and even like who the revolutionists or like who they suspect suspected to be a revolutionist so she was like real real in at that point she was super deep she's reminding me of uh, mary i think her name is mary jane gold um who the 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 series transatlantic on netflix is kind of based on her and how she would save people from the french revolution yeah and um the story is got a lot of parallels yeah in regards to like getting to know the right people using even her flirtatious manner or yep, whatever she used that too. to yep. um get what she wanted and having i mean she had resources because she was american and her father sent her money but um basically even when that got tapped out she would always find a way to get fake documents mm-hmm. and so she started like helping uh just regular people not just celebrities like at first it was just celebrities or you know royal people or whatever yeah. people with stature that supposedly you care about more right <laughs> versus Those the people. <laughs> um but so anyway her story is having a lot I'm like oh this is kind of like a weird flashbacky moment that I'm having when I watch transatlantic which is not the same region by any means or even the same time but interesting yeah it's well like i said it's kind of the same era same time frame of like these things happening so um let's see the declaration of freedom was signed in 1813 or a declaration of freedom was signed in 1813 and napoleon was exiled to elba and his brother was booted off the spanish throne so this kicked off like a bunch of anger and a bunch of craziness so um upheaval yes there it is uh so you know in the middle of a revolution the leaderships are changing and the like echo effect is real wild but anyway so she also did in fact uh, encourage young men to go into uh to war for the revolutionaries as well she would utilize her ability to flirt with them and get them on board and then she would immediately send them on their way to become uh revolutionaries (laughs) and she ended up like garnering quite a few soldiers she was like a big big deal she would end up getting like convincing a lot of people so here's where the drama starts uh her 12-year-old brother was going back to the house that they lived in and two Spanish army guards followed him and were accusing him of being a revolutionary and, you know, he's working for the other se- the other side, da-da-da. And Andrea opens the door at the house and she's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you harassing this boy? And they were like, we know you're revolutionaries, da-da-da. So she's like, all right, you're right. Can I burn all of these documents? She was able to bribe them into allowing her to burn all the evidence. However, 
when Lapola came around. Apparently, she was fucking mouthy. Like, she was not okay with any of this shit that was going down, and she verbalized it every chance she had. So, all they, although they were bribable, and they didn't get them on, you know, like, literal, they could have been caught right there, she definitely took them, or she, he definitely, they definitely took her and tried to keep her hostage or arrest her because she wouldn't shut the fuck up so like <laughs> oh my god so like she was scot-free and then all of a sudden boop, she talked herself into trouble she talked herself into trouble so i have a feeling she was definitely one of those people who would talk to you and talk a lot and she had a lot to say so i feel like the story you know is missing that part of it everybody everywhere i looked like so many different sources this is basically her story and there's not much more to go into it there's not like a bunch of you know tea about who she was as a person mm-hmm. but i'm pretty sure she was a sassy little thing so um one day unfortunately so one story says that almeida brothers were caught carrying information back um one the other source says says that ali um Alejo Siberian was caught carrying information back. But at the end of the day, what happened was they were walking back and they had a list. They had a list of people who are revolutionaries. They had a list of people who are royalists and it had a bunch of information and she had signed all the documentation. I don't know why, but she signed it and they were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> I mean, I guess what does signing the lists mean? That I, she's giving a go ahead of some kind? I don't know. I don't know if it was like a a formal like this is, you know, before there were some way to like sign it secretly. I think that the secret signage didn't they didn't consider it because they didn't think they'd get caught. I don't know. I have no idea. But I have a feeling it was some way to kind of like confirm what the documents were stating. Right. So, I mean, she's putting herself in a uh, quote unquote leadership position, Mm -hmm. some sort of approver, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the lists had all sorts of different people um, between six and eight people. That's what I read were captured. And so basically what they did was. um, She ended up trying to like put it all together so it makes sense, articulate it. So they, okay, oh, I lied to you. I'm going to back up a little bit. So the Almeida brothers, they got caught carrying information back that direct, that linked directly back to her. Um, they were all accused of helping the soldiers desert the Royal Army, join the revolution. They're accused of transporting weapons and ammunition and supplies to insurgents. Um, she actually ended up helping them escape from prison and she helped them find refuge which at that point was when the loyalists suspected her of treason but they lacked the evidence to prove and accuse her of espionage and treason so that happened before the documentations so she had escaped mostly prosecution the first time because they were she was able um andrea was allowed to burn evidence who they almost captured her and took her as well, but she was pregnant, so they left her at the house. So it was her only saving grace. Hmm. So then the Almeida brothers, they got 
caught carrying information they got uh broken out of jail and then her her like image became hot apparently so alejo sabarian who was also apparently her lover which there's no full story there it's either she was in love with their lovers or not um he was arrested when trying to escape Casanare, which is a place like a, a town and that allowed the royalists to fully arrest lapola because he had a list of people who were royalists and patriots given to him by her signed by her so sergeant inglesias a principal spanish officer in bogota was responsible for finding her and her brother um they didn't really care at first they wanted to get ali alejo done and taken care of and all the other men that were like you know maybe higher up and some sort of ranking Mm -hmm. but eventually they did go after her and her little brother (sighs) they were captured (laughs) and they were put into a place that was turned into like a makeshift prison it was like somebody's home that they turned into a prison in bogota so this was in november so she had broken out the brothers in september and by November, she was fully taken, you know, caught. So Can you imagine, like, you're just living on the edge every day. Mm-mm. Like, am I going to get caught? Am I not going to get caught? Like, right. is this going to be traceable back caught? to me? Like, what? Yeah. Then what? I mean, the only couple of hours that I had of panicking today because I was stuck. <laughs> Right. And then like your panic was like my car, not your life. I know. I know. It's, it's a wild, wild time. Like how, I mean, how do they live? Their blood pressure must've been insane. I just, uh, well, I mean, again, she wasn't, she wasn't there for very long. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. But there's gotta be an innate part of you that gets a rush and enjoys the adrenaline and can survive off of the you know fight or flight mode but for me that I'm like that sounds way too exhausting (laughs) I know right (laughs) like that sounds crazy I mean you're in a different mind space like a different mindset because it's more on survival it's it's a you're trying to survive your situation, survive your life and do what you think is right and follow through on beliefs. But there's reasons why there's only so many people who act the way that she acts, right? Because right. not everybody is built that way. No, everybody's built different. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like, okay. I don't know if I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't me. <laughs> That's not my battle. <laughs> All right. So actually I, I found some more notes about um, how she was able to bribe the, the guards. So um, while La Pola was yelling at the sergeant, Andrea was able to bribe the two accompanying guards to let her burn sheaves of papers that contained letters from patriots, a list of financial supporters, letters from guerrilla chiefs, and the deposition of the Spanish army. Discipline in the Spanish army was apparently not all that tight if the two guards could also be easily bribed behind their superior's back. So 
I love the fact that she was able to sit there and scream at this guy, distract him. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but she ended up doing it to a point where the other lady was able to be like, hey, you want to see my boobies and maybe not take me to jail and let me burn all this shit down? I was going to say, I'm still missing the bribery piece of this because burning letters and stuff doesn't really equate to those two particular soldiers or whoever the sergeant yeah, like wants. how like, did you how did you bribe them i mean yeah i said like i said this story is so short and there's not enough tea for me i looked <laughs> i well, looked cool. and it it's is. not even in english right it has been translated okay well but i mean the original sources right we've all been spanish so mm-hmm. absolutely okay so um on november her and her brother were taken to the council of war and on the 10th they were sentenced to execution by firing her lover air quotes was also there so her and eight other people were sentenced to be shot firing squad um apparently the night before her execution she would not stop cursing the spaniards and she wouldn't stop like the whole time she just kept yelling about them at one point she was tired and she was thirsty a guard was entertained and handed her a glass of wine and she tossed the glass back at him and said she would not even accept a glass of water from her enemies. So she was just feisty through and through. <laughs> at that point, you're choosing death over life. Mm-hmm. She even was told that if she swore loyalty, she could go free, but she defiantly refused. Absolutely would not do it um so by the morning of november 14th 1817 at 9 a.m she and eight others were walked out um to the main plaza of bogota where the firing squad assembled and per customs traders were meant to be shot in the back while they were kneeling with their hands tied behind their backs and this was intended to be like a warning to others there's no brave heroics here we'll shoot you in the back like the coward you are you know just bullshit um so not surprising our spicy little meatball was not interested in doing any of that um so when they were marching her down her hands were bound and she was flanked by two priests pleading with her to beg forgiveness you know all that fun stuff and she completely ignored them and continued to swear <laughs> swear at the spanish <laughs> she was i wish i knew like, spanish swear words because mm-hmm. in my mind i'm basically seeing her being like fuck you you motherfuckers yeah all i got is chingo sumare cabarona <laughs> you can't even say it right anymore omar we need your help <laughs> so they were chanting telling her you need to repent and she was like f you she was cursing the spaniards claimed they would be defeated in the coming revolution when they stopped everybody they were all instructed to turn their backs and kneel and she absolutely refused she stood tall and at the spanish firing squad yelled i have more than enough courage to suffer this death and a thousand more do not forget my example she was not having it so she was ended up we don't know exactly how it happened she was kneeling in the streets 
she had her back turned to the firing squad um some say that she um like ended up shuffling off of off her clothes a little bit so her back was exposed being indecent a little bit on purpose oh she was also yelling at the firing squad to turn the rifles on the authorities instead yelling calling them assassins (laughs) turn your guns on them they're assassins (laughs) um it wouldn't be right without some drama no need the theatrics yep so when the firing squad actually began shooting, it's said that she turned around to face the squad and was shot in the front. Um, Damn. She was not to the last minute, second. She wasn't having it. Wow. Yep. I just don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see the bullet coming at me. I mean, I think, I think at that point, I don't have my mental capacity to do much other than just be a wild person. <laughs> I mean... Maybe I would take more of a freeze approach and just be like, I guess it'll hit me when it hits me. And because if it's coming from behind you, you don't know. Yeah. But if you turn around and you see it coming at you, like that's different. Do you think time would slow down? I I mean, it's going to be like a millisecond probably between the time that she turns around and they shoot the gun. But in my (laughs) mind, it makes me think of like, a movie where all of a sudden just everything slows down and she has the moment of something flashing before her eyes (laughs) I don't know I don't know I I just feel like if you're able to turn around you might be even able to dodge the bullet yeah I don't know it's too fast I'm sure and there's a a whole squad of people so it's not like there's just one so you're really kind of fucky fuckity fuck fucked I don't know. I guess she wanted the enemy to be able to see the face that they were shooting. Oh, yeah. This definitely, this, although we're not fully sure, this established a lot of, I don't know, like, she was a martyr at this point. And it established her, like, her history, like the things she did and the way she acted and the way she rebelled and Although she was taken out at 22 years old, she still very much had a lot of people admiring her for her strength. So um, it was customary after executions for the bodies to be marched around the city to um, basically scare everybody else into like folding for the royalists and just, you know, kind of bowing down she was spared that uh, embarrassment as she was a woman her remaining brothers claimed her body and gave her a proper burial in the covenant church of san augustine and um on december 17th 1819 the republic of colombia was officially established including the venezuelan and new granada so it wasn't too far after her death that things settled down. Um, there was, I mean, I she, her death wasn't like, oh, sing it from the rooftops immediately. But when there was a playwright who made a bunch of awful plays, he ended up doing a play about her and it kind of memorialized her even further. And that's really when her like, fame started to take off 
other women in her ring that she worked in. So the Andrea lady and others were also executed shortly thereafter. So unfortunately, the um, revolution, the rebels were definitely losing steam. Um, a lot of the a lot of the rebels were captured. A lot of them were executed, and there were people, there soldiers who were, you know, revolutionists who would turn and go back to the royalist side. So it was a really hard fight. Um, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like based on sheer numbers. Right. Like so the little guy was just going to either get taken out or you get in line. <laughs> right. Oh, God, Lord. So there are also paintings painted and because you don't really know who anybody, what anybody looks like, because the artists back then had all of their artistic liberties and did whatever the fuck their heart told them to. There are several paintings of her. Most of them are what you would imagine somebody from Colombia to look like with the dark hair, complexion, eyes. There was also an artist who painted her with blonde hair and blue eyes because that was the scene back in the day. So you're going to get a variety of those. However, um, in... 1967 on november 8th law 44 was passed by the congress of the republic of colombia and signed by the president declaring that november 14th would be the day of colombian women in honor of the anniversary of her death she's also on currency and her portrait was the only real female portrait ever actually used on currency and so like if you look in the era or you look at back at currency, um, you'll get obviously royalty on currency, but um, she was the only one who was had a legitimate portrait instead of an idealized version of herself or an idealized version of her representing society, if you will. Um, her, let's see. So she like continues to be a source of great pride um and she continues to be memorialized to this day there is a statue of her it was put up in 1910 um i think it's still you can still see it today and it's of her sitting in her chair with her hands tied behind her sitting down with her hands tied behind her back um she is now a heroine of sorts for different books and telenovelas erotic literature actually picks her up as well and there is a feminist punk rock group called las polas <laughs> okay um, every day or every november 14th is officially celebrated uh women of colombia are officially celebrated and that is that's the conclusion of la pola Polycarpa. Well, I give you a lot of credit for trying to say all the words. (laughs) (laughs) For even picking this story, knowing that it was going to be a struggle. Sometimes, well, I've been very honest. I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce this name. So I pick a different story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I figured it might, you know, stumbling around would help. How did you come across her? Actually, um, I found her in an article. 
it was weird because I was like, okay, we have a bunch of people on this list. And I think I went through the list and nobody really spoke to me. So I Googled something. What did I Google even? Oh, it's right here. Uh, are you not going to go back? Okay, fine. You're rude. I, I just Googled. I mean, it would be in your history. I Googled crazy woman of history. <laughs> you did? Yes. <laughs> and then made my way to an article. First was seven most evil women in history, which is Eileen Warnos. And I didn't want to go down the serial yeah, I'm killer like, route. Well, crazy is a, a, a unique term to use when you're yeah. trying to find yeah but it gave uh, me a great article because it gave I, me it did it yeah, did it gave me a really great article that uh 25 badass women Just, you should know uh, yeah i'd prefer if it was like you searched badass versus crazy just perpetuating the well, no, I'm narrative using, of crazy I'm, women i'm not perpetuating <laughs> anything i'm just utilizing keywords in a google search because i know society looks um, at us like we're crazy there's a difference oh my god yeah, I'm not perpetuating shit. I'm just playing the game. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you for sharing that story. That's yeah. wild that she. Sorry it wasn't longer. Well, yeah, I mean it's wild that she just was like, on multiple occasions, going to choose her demise. Right. She just and she just dove right in too. Like, yeah, what her she was like eight or nine when her parents and her like the four oldest people in her life she knew passed away because of a disease from smallpox like shit everything was cool she very much is like the we're only here for a short amount of time we need to make an impact seriously but then i mean her short amount of time was escalated because of the actions but that's very uh notable to believe in something so hard and so deeply like i don't think i have anything (laughs) Uh would be like i'm willing to go down for this (laughs) i don't think any of us do honestly we're all getting you know imagine like we all get pulled in different directions all the time imagine if we had a singular focus how incredible we would be as humans right now yeah my thing is i'm so open to diversity of thought and seeing how somebody else interprets something mm-hmm. and majority of the time I don't get it, but that's not the point, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. the point is that we all interpret, perceive one action or saying or something differently. And I find it fascinating to see how other people interpret things. It doesn't always change the way I feel about it, but I don't think I could ever be like, I believe in this so hard and I believe that it's so right that I'm willing to be taken down because I can always see another side. Yeah. I guess we've never been in a position to have all of our freedoms stripped from us, like in that regard. Right. Like this, I'm comparing this to it's like an apples and oranges situation because like apples and broccoli, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I've not been in a situation where I'm fighting for my life, though, either. No, I'm ever. just fighting to get out of my driveway. 
Which you didn't even have to fight. They were going to fix it anyway. I know. <laughs> My one phone call to the city. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm stuck in my driveway. Okay, we'll call you back. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. I need help. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, it's a, it was a different time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're talking about full political eruption to the point of viva la revolution <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe i'd wear a different hat maybe you'd hear something else come out of me oh i feel like if you were in that era you would be in a completely different place like you would be a whole you'd be a whole ass different woman your patience would be non-existent i would be a mouthy bitch for sure yeah <laughs> i think we would both be kind of we would <laughs> If I'm going to be honest with you, I can't imagine I would have made it past my 20s if I had to live in right. the era. Because I know for fuck's sake, no way. No way are you no. going to shut me up. I would have, like, fucked the enemy, ended up with his baby. Oh, and... my God. You're right. <laughs> You're 100% right. <laughs> and you then and I would titties. have had to fight for not only my own life, but now the life of my baby who's been exiled. <laughs> I mean, you and those titties would have made a lot of public enemy number ones, I bet. <laughs> the bastard child of this revolutionary leader uh, and this royalist. Yeah. Man. <laughs> what a Goodness. time. Yeah. I, time. I just don't know where I would land in that whole thing. I just... I kind of want to go now and find somebody who can give me like all my past lives <laughs> so they can right. tell me like, was I ever involved in any sort of like revolution? <laughs> I feel it like in a past life though, I was probably a man because it's just the way that I function now. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your primary vessels with a dick? Well, I, that's a weird word, a weird way to say it. Primary vessel. I, um, <laughs> I was alluding more to the fact that I'm like super logical, not very emotional. And that's not I, because of your past traumas at all that forced you to be that person. Well, no, but it's a combination. I feel like it is. in past life, I was probably a dude. You were very pragmatic. I'm sure. <laughs> I was a dude or a real mouthy bitch. <laughs> I have a feeling you're a real mouthy dude. <laughs> you probably was able to get away with a lot of shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, and I was man. just lost all the time, I think. You were a wanderer. How, how did I end up here? I'm in Paris now. This is weird. <laughs> Wasn't I just in Spain? You're the one who gets like on the wrong boat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Start you like get on the boat you think you're going to america and then all of a sudden everybody on the boat is korean and you end up over in south korea i'm the only white person in korea for fucking <laughs> three <laughs> centuries <laughs> on accident uh, funny anyway <laughs> the white lady of the mysterious white lady of korea yeah it's just like pictures of you one inspired of us. geishas 
that's probably Japanese or something. I'm probably mixing up things, but anyway, <laughs> it's just a joke. People don't come out. Don't come for me. <laughs> Self-admitted. I need more education in this realm. <laughs> don't come at me. <laughs> I'm just uh, thinking that because, you know, they paint their face white. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Isn't that racist? <laughs> Are not they racist? I don't know. I don't well, know. It stems from maybe I should do a whole history on geishas. Maybe because actually geishas are really fucking cool. There's a huge history there. There There's is a lot of male entertainment to be had. There is. I don't know where the white comes from, except for I do know that still to this day, because I use Korean skincare. <laughs> that um <laughs> there is an obsession with having lighter skin yeah and... i know so i know the reason for that is because of the discrepancy in the classes so like the people who worked outside were darker skinned than the people who didn't have to work so having the fair light skin was like royalty essentially the lighter your skin the more expensive you were mm. So there's that. Because they even now have creams that are like whitening creams. Yes. And things of that nature. It's still very much a thing. Yeah. They don't actually like whiten your skin, but it's intended to give you a pure glow or, you know, some sort of like. Intentional white cast is what I'm hearing. It doesn't have white. It doesn't actually cast white though, but it's meant to make you more like youthful. Oh dewy yeah <laughs> anyway we've really gone down quite the we have side road here minute. it's okay everybody's welcome you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> so it's at a girl time it is and i have one okay good at a girls are where we pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or that's happened to us and if you're ready to go let's hear it so this past weekend, Sunday, yesterday, I'm trying to clean up. I'm emptying the trash. I pull the trash out, and there's maggots. Not in the bin where the trash band bag goes, but in the, the second, like the bigger container. Nicole and I have the same trash can, had the same trash can. So, like, you take the insert out, and there was just there were maggots. And I was like, what the fuck is this? There was no nothing in there except for um, a dry piece of cloth wipes packet like there was no food in there because i was kind of psychotic about keeping that trash can clean because it was so fucking expensive (laughs) so i'm like well this is fucking gross and i decided that instead of trying to salvage it like i would normally i was just gonna fucking throw it away and buy myself a new trash can like there's no need to spend that extra time energy and effort to clean something out that i want to get rid of anyway i'm just getting rid of it and so I bought myself a new trash can yesterday, completely out of character. Normally I would have tried to salvage it, but there, it was just not salvageable. So I didn't even Good try. for you. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. I know. I do feel like that we come from families where they're the Things ones Things have that, to fucking last. Yeah. Or they're the ones that there's like the mold on the one corner of the cheese and like, just cut that off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let me tell you about how Share Bear. self-admittedly would feed us moldy food oh one day she sent 
a science project next door. It's still good. Just scrape it out. The fuck I'm scraping nothing out. I'm pitching this entire container away. What's wrong with you? Right. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just kind of lingered on still from depression era. Yeah. Depression era. I think it is because our grandparents were part of the depression era and grew up with minimalism and a bunch of kids. Yeah. My grandpa used to steal butter and bring it home and like right but still so, yeah i don't delicacy. know i mean it's interesting because i too have to struggle sometimes with like not salvaging things or parting with things right. when i know in reality like i should <laughs> yeah like when i turned the trash can upside down and nothing was dumping out of it and there was a ledge in there i was like ah oh, fuck this i'm done i'm done i just can't do this shit anymore i'm done trying yeah. Yeah. I mean, but even if you had salvaged it, you'd still have the memory of it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's gross. Yeah. So gross. I can't believe it. I'm admitting it out loud on a fucking podcast, but here we are. Like I'm not a dirty person. <laughs> the show's nasty though. I don't know how the fuck it happened. Ah, uh, lies. They're sneaky. They are. Ugh. Um, Maya girl is, let's see. Well, on Saturday, I had a nice little family day and um, it's my sister-in-law's birthday coming up. So I got her like a cute little gift and I picked out like these amazing restaurants. She was super happy with everything. So uh, I guess add a girl for being a good planner. Being a good sister-in-law. That too you guys are gonna have so much fun she's the best (laughs) yeah so um we had we had it on the calendar for like a month or something trying to find one weekend where oh my god we, we you know it would work out and uh then it just happened to be by her birthday so then I kind of made it about her so might as well she deserves it yeah she's great how fun is that? Well, add a girl. Thanks. For being selfless. <laughs> I mean, I participated in these dinners and ate my weight in Asian <laughs> fusion food as well. But <laughs> yum. I want sushi now. <laughs> <laughs> You're all over the map and I'm here for it. Uh, uh-huh. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, you can request a hoe of history by sending us email to homancepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles, comment, DM, whatever you'd like. And then uh, we still got a closed group that is it's still running amok. It's yeah it's something and um <laughs> it's called the home is chronicles a judgment free zone and uh you just have to be prepared to not be prepared <laughs> that's actually the best way I've, I've heard you say that before just that's perfect yep <laughs> oh man's out <laughs>